On this episode of the Heat Check, trade. We've got a trade. OG Ananobi goes to New York for RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly. A couple of other pieces, but ones that not even ESPN is putting on their lower third, so I will not even mention, a.k.a. Malachi Flynn. I'm sorry, Malachi Flynn. Shout out to you. <laughs> also, uh, we are off to a hot trade season. What the fuck are the Brooklyn Nets doing? We'll talk about that, the Hemi of the Week, and we'll also get into some news around the league, including a, an incredible... James Johnson story, courtesy of Udonis Haslam and Bam Adebayo. Lots of shit popping right now. I wondered whether I could cuss. I don't know where I am right now. I am on my own podcast. Yes, I can cuss. So, William, Jake, actually, Jake, drop that motherfucking beat. That should be Rihanna. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're, 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 you're listening to the, the, the hottest, the hottest NBA podcast out here. I said what I said. James heating up. It's the heat check. The heat check. Heat check. With Tristan Crick. Who's Jake, they say. Jake's, Jake is who is editing the podcast today. Happy 2024. New changes are afoot, hence the reason that Jake is going to be uh, editing today's podcast. My producer, William, has to step away for bigger, better opportunities. Uh, please forgive us if things are choppy or echoey as we onboard a new producer who will be with us shortly. Should be pretty seamless, I hopefully hope, hope, hope. But uh, I got to be transparent whenever possible. Lots, though has happened over the Christmas break. Uh, The first thing that we have to talk about is the trade. It finally happened. The big news. We've been waiting. It's like John Collins, right? It's John Collins, uh, the Grim Reaper, and OG Ananobi. When will the news come down? When will the knock not be your mailman and it will be the OG Ananobi trade? We finally got it. Toronto Raptors finally pulled the trigger. They send him, Precious Achuya, Malachi Flynn to the New York Knicks for R.J. Barrett, Toronto's own, Emmanuel Quickly, six-man-of-the-year candidate, and a second-round pick. 
There's a lot of people mad about this trade. A lot of New York Knicks fans that are mad. Emmanuel quickly was beloved. I get that. But he was about to try to make $30 million a year. And he's coming up to the end of his contract. And I promise you, you do not want to pay Emmanuel quickly $30 million when there is a finite amount of resources uh, to pay players. My initial thought is love it. Love it for both sides. Love it most specifically for the New York Knicks. Uh, You get a 3 and D guy who can shoot 40% from the corner. You saw this in the Miami Heat series when both teams went ice cold from deep. Everyone starts to pack the paint. Uh, The passing lanes are more difficult. The driving lanes are more difficult. Why? Because everyone starts to collapse because they don't respect the shooters. Now you're going to be able to give the ball to OG Ananobi, drive and kick out to him, and he's going to get that respect that he needs. Also, his defense, even though he's not playing as good a defense as he has in prior years, well, at least the numbers say that he hasn't, I think that's mostly due to the system that he's playing under with, with Darko. So there's not more... Like, there's not that many guys that are 3 and D that could also guard 1 through 5. Like, there's just not. Like, there's not very many lockdown guys that are better than OG Ananobi. 7'2 wingspan, 6'7, big body, very thick. Can play multiple positions offensively and defensively. Uh, and like I said, lockdown defender. For example, they just played the Minnesota Timberwolves in his first game. Hadn't even really read the playbook. Had not gone to to any practices, barely spoke to Tom Thibodeau whatsoever. And in 68 possessions, spanning 13 minutes, defending Ant Edwards, he held Ant Edwards to four for 14 with three turnovers and zero assists. And that is a guy, Ant Edwards, that is virtually unstoppable. Fred Katz, he covers the Knicks. He said after OG Ananobi's first game, oh, by the way, only 20 minutes for OG Ananobi, three threes, 17 points, One steal. Anyway, he covers the Knicks. And he said this. You would never guess that Ananobi hasn't practiced with the team. He finished with the Knicks debut with 17 points on 3-for-6 shooting from 3. The principal reason the Knicks brought him in was his defensive presence. But on Monday, this Knicks offense changed too. When OG Ananobi was asked about a trade, he said, When I found out it was the Knicks, I was definitely excited. I've always liked the team. I grew up a fan of basketball. And I've always watched the Knicks. So OG Ananobi now is going to re-sign with the Knicks. I promise you that. He wants to be in the area. He loves playing for them. He's wanted to go to New York. He may even take less money to be in New York. Jake Fisher reported that OG Ananobi is looking for $40 million AAV, but might take less for the Knicks, which is very interesting and something that is setting up dominoes potentially to fall down the road. The domino that I keep hearing about is... A long shot, but Joel Embiid. For the Raptors, they needed this. They needed to shake some shit up because they had no shot creator, and now they do in Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly now goes from the sixth man to the starting point guard for the team. Uh, You now move a disgruntled player who's wanted a bigger role for a long time, and you replace him with a couple of players who I think can really light it up. R.J. Barrett, I'm not a huge fan of. I'm not a huge fan of his game. But maybe he works better on this team, even though they don't have any shooters either. He's averaging 18-4-2. And and that shot creation is badly needed for the Raptors. Emmanuel quickly right now off the bench is giving you 15-3-3 and and 24 minutes per game. Both are considered to be very high locker room guys. I think the the team is going to fall in love with, and the fan base is going to fall in love with IQ immediately. They're both very young. Young enough to rebuild the team around 
them and Scotty Barnes. And now Barrett comes home to Toronto. So it's a natural fit to me uh, for a team that's long since, like long since lost its identity. Uh, Barrett was sad to leave the team that drafted him, but he said he was happy to come home. He said, I'm really excited to be here. I'm thankful. I'm blessed. I grew up a Raptors fan all my life. So to come here and put the jersey on, it's going to be great. I do think, though, as an aside, Zach Lowe made a good point when he said that R.J. Barrett maybe has a toxic asset. Maybe he has a toxic contract. Um, And I think that's probably a fair description for him. He's not a bad player, but he makes a lot of money. And the only reason he got that amount of money is because New York knew that he was a trade piece. He was supposed to be the trade piece to Utah for Donovan Mitchell, and they ended up getting... OG Ananobi instead, which I think is a much better fit, by the way. I don't think you have Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell as your backcourt and you move R.J. Bear. I don't, I don't think that works. You needed a wing. Also, the problem, though, um, is that OG Ananobi is on an expiring, so he's going to be looking for $40 million a year, and I honestly think OG is going to take less to stay with the team. Tom Crean thinks that this is going to change the entire outlook of the East. I don't know about that. I, I somewhat agree. I think OG Ananobi will absolutely change the complexion of the offense and the defense, but change the entire outlook of the East, that's a long shot. I do think he'll flourish in Tibbs' system. I think Precious Achua helps them. They need some sort of backup big with Mitchell Robinson out for the year. Uh, And then Toronto, IQ, and Barrett are going to immediately become starters on a team that struggles to score. And the Raps, by the way, would have loved, I'm sure, to hold on to OG Ananobi, but... He was going to walk for nothing, so it's a good thing that Masai has learned from his mistakes because you don't want to end up in another situation where you lose a player for nothing like you did with Fred Van Fleet or possibly Pascal Siakam. More on that we got to keep an eye on as well. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast check out our new nba show beyond the arc part of the cbs sports podcast network where you can find me john gonzalez nba insider bill Ryder, and ashley nicole moss five days a week talking all things nba Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. 
Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Moving on to a bit of old news. This is like a week old-ish, maybe a little longer. But the news of it, the decision of it, the thought process of it is still sticking in my craw. I don't know why. I can't get over it. I don't think other people are getting over it either. It's like just a regular season game idiot move, but it showcases the dysfunction that I have been hearing about from the Brooklyn Nets for weeks now. Six weeks? Eight weeks? All of that to say, what the fuck are the Brooklyn Nets doing? What are they doing? This team is all kinds of fucked up. I can't understand what their philosophy is. I can't understand why they're doing the things that they do. I said this six weeks ago. People didn't believe me. And now, thankfully, they're showing their ass. Thankfully, they're showing their ass. Last Wednesday, this is what happened. The Nets played a Bucks team that has been struggling. It was the Nets' fifth game in seven days. But let's be honest, this is a very young team. The Bucs are playing their third game in five days. So both teams probably gassed, right? The Nets, by the way, at home during the Christmas break, wanted to sell out the arena, put on a show, Giannis, Dame, you know, the crew, Mikhail Bridges, Nick Claxton, support them. <sighs> Brooklyn, Brooklyn, right? Right? Like, that's the vibe. No. Wrong. Not this Nets team. It's Grinch time, baby. Only coal in your fucking stocking. Why? Because we want to take the last little shred of hope and desire and fun and excitement that you have for this dog shit team. And we're going to smash it into smithereens. Because why? The Nets were like, everyone that you want to see, we're not letting you see. Besides Giannis and Dame. So the Nets decide to sit Nick Claxton, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Cam Johnson. None of those dudes were injured at all. But, by the way, they still have Mikael Bridges, right? They still have Royce O'Neal. They still have Cam Thomas. Maybe Cam Thomas will put up like 65, right? No. Also, not so fast. Jacques Vaughn decided after the first quarter to sit Bridges, Thomas, and O'Neal. And they were down by one point. One point. They were you know, getting blown out by 30. I was like, okay, let's just send in the white flag. No, no. It was a competitive game all the way into the middle of the third quarter. Fourth quarter comes around. The scrubs get gassed. Shocker. They lose by like a million. They trail by seven at halftime. This is outrageous. Not only have fans gone, ups- gone ballistic. Not only did they get eviscerated by the Nets and the other NBA media, even the other players, the players who got benched were like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. Don't ask me. I have no clue what is happening. Mikkel Bridges was asked about why and his thoughts about why he played only 12 minutes. Did not like the choice, whatever that was, but it's whatever. Definitely was not a fan. How how does he feel? What do you think that culture is like right now? When Mikhail Bridges is like, didn't like that, whatever that was. Yeah, whatever that was. When asked if he needed a rest, he said, no, never need a rest. This is a dude who just went viral on TikTok for eating Chipotle 
every single day for 10 straight years, a man of routine. Started a game every single game for the last five years. Maybe the more impressive stat you've ever seen. And guess what? And guess what? And they were like, fuck you. No shot. Fuck your Chipotle and your minutes played. Royce O'Neal was also asked about getting benched. And he said, who doesn't want to play out there? I feel like if we had the chance, we would say we don't want to rest. So let's check in on Jacques Vaughn. Jacques, why'd you do it? Why would you do that considering that it was a home game that coincided with Christmas break when tons of kids would be coming home to Barclays? Jacques Vaughn, are you actually the Grinch that stole Christmas? And he said, I've got to think short-term and long-term and make executive decisions for the betterment of the group. It's unfortunate tonight that they got to the point where we were putting them in harm's way by putting them out there tonight. What the? Are we going to war? Is this, is this Vietnam? Like at Barclays Center? Was, were there people in the bamboo with sniper rifles? What is happening? Putting them in harm's way? We are talking basketball. We are talking about a game. Are you serious? I would like Jock Vaughn to sit there and tell all 18,199 paying customers who packed the arena with the capacity of 17,732 when this is one of the least sold-out arenas in NBA, one of the least watched teams in basketball on TV. But hey, right? Don't blame Jacques. Blame what the Nets call their quote-unquote performance team, which is tasked with figuring things out like load management. I would like to say, as a, as a strong believer in logic, that this is one of those games where Sean Marks calls Jacques Vaughn up and says, we need to get some minutes for Noah Clowney. What, like, whoever, like, these randoms on the team that probably need to be traded. Let's get some additional playing time for Harry Giles and Dayron Sharp and... Dennis Smith Jr., maybe he could be a nice little piece to a contender needing a backup point guard. Let's get Trendon Watford and Derek Whitehead. Can you imagine you're 10 years old, right? You like you like Mikhail Bridges and Nick Claxton, right? Maybe hell. You even like Cam Thomas and his chucking. And you go there and you're excited. It's Giannis versus your team. Giannis versus Nick Claxton. And instead, you get a steady dose of Trendon Watford. Do you know how fucking pissed I would be as a kid? Are you serious? Vaughn's trying to play the good soldier. Sean Marks has got his fingers in the mix. He's blaming things on the performance team. Players have no clue. Nobody's obviously communicating with them what the story is because they're not playing the good soldier either. They're saying we're clueless. And when when Toll Bridges and Cam Johnson were upset over the decision, guess what Jock Vaughn had to say? This is where it gets more insane. He says, it's just like my kids. That doesn't mean you have to agree with me. I understand I have to make a choice. That's my position as the head coach. But it's just like my kids. Doesn't mean you have to agree with my decision. Are we serious? These grown men make millions of dollars. And if they don't win and get the playing time that they need, that affects their careers. This is not like a kid that wants to sleep over at his friend's house. This is ridiculous. 
Thankfully, Dame and Giannis and Middleton and Lopez all played. All Bucks starters played 29 or more minutes. Even on the road. Even in their third game in five days. Let me say this. If it was the other way around, I would have understood it. What does Milwaukee care about what Brooklyn fans think? But no, they're the ones going out like Kobe Bryant and showing out on a random game against a dog shit team. The Nets have now lost eight of ten games. They are now in danger of what I already saw, which is punting on the entire season. They are perilously close to losing their entire fan base. After the toxicity of the last three years, this was supposed to be the year where everyone got excited about the rebuild. Scrappy players, development, fun. Kenny Atkinson nets. D'Angelo Russell nets. Jared Allen nets. No, 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 no. Derek Whitehead nets. Trendon Watford nets. No one thinks this team was ever going to compete for a title. But a playoff spot right now in the East, real possibility. And that, you, that was a game you absolutely could beat the Bucks in. And that would have been a huge success, even for a franchise that's been a massive disappointment. Just beating the Bucks over Christmas break, those are the little wins that would have been very meaningful. But no, they're still going to do bizarre things. Turn the offense over to Cam Johnson, or Cam Thomas, excuse me, when he's a liability. Find a way to make Mikhail Bridges regress. Bench their starters when they're not hurt. And now they're being investigated by the league to see if they're in violation of the new NBA anti-tanking rules, rules, which, by the way, they are. They are in violation. I think we all know. It's not like the Nets even matter if they're tanking because they don't even have their own picks. So what the fuck are the Nets doing? I have zero idea. And from the sound of things, no one else does either. Can we also get the hashtag free Spencer Dinwiddie trending, free Mikkel Bridges trending, free Cam Johnson's trending? Please, someone fix this now. All right, let's move on. It's time for the first Hemi of the Week in 2024. We go with the Joker pretty much every week. I could go with Joel Embiid, even though he's been banged up. 11 games away, by the way, not being eligible for a postseason award, which would be terrible. But instead, the Hemi Award goes to Ja, Ja Morant is back, baby. Like he's never left. He's averaging 25-5-8 in his last four games. Not even peak Ja numbers. But what is? The Grizzlies are 4-2 and two in the six games he's played, which is pretty much the percentage of winning that everyone expected them to be in. Imagine that. John Moran is just discovering his sea legs. He's only 5 for 29 for 3 this season. And when he starts hitting more threes, his numbers are going to inflate, jump up above 30. That's what we expect from John Moran, right? He was named NBA Player of the Week. That was well-deserved. He's resurrected a tough season for the Grizz, given the fan base hope. We need that. We need that. His return coincided with a four-game winning streak and included wins against the Hawks, the Pacers, two wins against the Pelicans. Those are not terrible teams either. Those are legit, tough to beat on any regular season night type of a games. The entire team is now excited, now transformed, which is why John Morant is a star. Not just a star, but probably one of the five best players in the NBA star when he's healthy. I was on Memphis radios uh, when with my guys Jason and John. And I stand by, though, what I told them. This is a league that needs John Moran on the floor. There's just nobody like him on the league. There's just nobody. It's obvious when you see Jaw that he is the best show on the hardwood. Even when he does the obnoxious dance, 
clowning the Pelicans on their own floor with their own dance after beating them with like two seconds left. That's very entertaining. That is peak jaw. So of all the hemis I've given out this year, this one makes me the happiest. Thank God John ja Morant is back. John ja Morant is the hemi of the week. Many more hemis for him to come. He is I and I am him. Slim with a tilted brim. He's him. Lots of little news stories from around the league. So let's get into a few things that caught my eye. This is a crazy story about Aaron Gordon. Uh, he has missed a week's worth of games because he got bit by his own dog. Man, do I know that story better than anyone else. I have a 12-pound Pomeranian. She is vicious. If I touch the back of her at night, she will bite my face. And that is what happened to Aaron Gordon as well. But not, I don't think a Pomeranian. I think a very, very big dog. Shams dropped the bomb. This is the bomb. This is the sound of the Shams bomb. He dropped the bomb on Christmas Day when he reported that Aaron Gordon has suffered serious injuries to his face and hands from a dog attack on Christmas from his pit bull, which required him to get 21 stitches. All of that to say, that's post his Christmas Day game. He played on Christmas and then proceeded to get bitten in the face. As someone who's been bitten by their own dog a time or two, I feel bad for him. It is a sad and traumatic event to ever have your dog attack you, have any dog attack you, specifically your own. His status was indefinite, but he came back in just a week. He had this to say about the incident. I guess it's a little bit embarrassing, but not too embarrassing where I can't talk about it. I don't drink a lot during the season. I probably had a little too much eggnog. I was kind of roughhousing with my dog, and I think my dog got a little excited and basically just chomped down and gave me a bite, and I was wrestling him off me, and then he bit my hand. For lack of better words, I was messing around with my dog, and when you mess around, you find out. That's a perfect fuck around and find out moment. Like, it's funny when I do that to my dog, who's 12 pounds. I think his dog is probably 112 pounds. You mess with the bull, you get the horns, hype of a pit bull or a palm or chihuahua mix, getting chomped. As it turns out, his dad usually takes care of his pit when he's on the road. He says he's a good boy, he's a good dog. What a wild injury. That's like one of the most wild NBA injuries. It's like Najoku and his, uh, what was it, like a, some sort of fire pit that he got burned by? Yeah, it's insane. He only had 10, 2, and 0 in his return. Not 100% yet, but thankfully I think he's going to recover fully. He'll learn that some dogs only can be hyped up to a certain point before they'll tear off your face. Hopefully the Nuggets are going to tear off everybody else's face because they're the best team in the league right now, I think, not just in the West, but in the East. Get better, Aaron Gordon. Moving on to Scoot. We got to talk about Scoot. God, I love him. My avatar on Twitter is Scoot. It's never changing. Scoot with the goggles. Everything's changed since he got his, uh, his bifocals. I'm going to do a deep dive on Scoot. Probably for the rookie report. But I did want to talk about a quote that dropped last night. Scoot, just a competitor. He said he's still trying to get rookie of the year. That's his goal. That's still up in the air. He believes the rookie of the year race is not complete yet. Some of you might be laughing because you think, oh, okay, Scoot, you you believe that you can take on Victor Wembanyama and Chet, but get this, check this out, this little stats. 
In his last 11 games, Scoot has averaged 16, 3, and 6 with 1.2 stocks, stocks, stocks on a shooting split of 40, 43, and 85 in 30 minutes a game while running the point for one of the youngest teams in the NBA. Pretty much the second most effective rookie over the last three weeks in the entire NBA. If he continues to do that, folks, it might get closer than we think. Who knows? Probably not, but who knows? More on Scoot very, very soon. Speaking of rookies, Victor Wembanyama has had a fascinating rookie season. Most people think he's the favorite to win Rookie of the Year, but it's very close, very close between him and Chet. Some outlets, including BetMGM, have Chet with a small razor's edge at minus 120 and Victor minus 110. Even though they're not going to come out and say it outright, there are people that think that Victor is somehow disappointing this season even though he's averaging 19, 10, and 3 with three blocks per game, which is just absolutely uh, absurd. They point out that he's a turnover-prone player. He has 3.3 per game in 30 minutes. Who gives a fuck about that? Not me. It's the San Antonio Spurs. They also blame him for getting into foul trouble, even though he's skinny and is just trying to defend. Uh, And that's limiting his restricted time on the court. He's averaging under 24 minutes a game the last two weeks. Do I care? No. I do not. Most people are pointing out that the Spurs are just 5-27, and 27, which is god-awful for someone hailed as the savior in San Antonio. Many memes are going around saying, hey, does San Antonio know that they already got Victor Wembanyama?" Which is why I thought Joel Embiid's take on Victor was so interesting. As someone who missed his first two years as a, as a rookie, or two years to injury, and who understand what it's like to be called savior of a franchise, I think probably Joel Embiid has a good perspective on what life is like for Victor. And B told David Aldridge at The Athletic this. I'm not trying to be too critical. Obviously, he's extremely talented. Right now, there's so much hype around him. I think he's just trying to live up to that hype, and that's what I see. I watch a lot of games, and I think, first of all, he has to figure out where he wants to play, whether he wants to be a guard or a big or whatever. It's not necessarily where he wants to be, Uh, whether he wants to be a guard or a big, it's what he wants to become. Do you want to become KD or do you want to become me? Not KD or like a version of those guys. You want to combine everything. Right now I feel like everything kind of feels a little forced in the way that he's playing, which is not bad because the only way to get better is to play through it and learn. That's the only way you make a lot of mistakes and you learn. I do think it's like, do you want to be KD or do you want to be me? Very good analysis, though, of Vic. Victor's very young, man. He's just trying to figure out. And I think the team's trying to figure out what they want Victor to be. He's only 19, and he's, what is he, probably 190 pounds soaking wet at 7'4". You got to play through your mistakes. You got to figure out whether you're going to gain weight like Joel Embiid did, whether you're going to stay slender like Kevin Durant did, or are you going to play on the perimeter. And Victor continues to do an incredible job of just figuring it out, owning up to his mistakes in press conferences. He knows that he's a work in progress. A lot of people put kind of unfair expectations on him. He knows that he has holes in his game. I'm sure that. And more importantly, he knows how many people in San Antonio are relying on him. He said this, this is probably the worst Victor will ever see. That's what he said during Thanksgiving break. And that's one of the most confident and self-aware statements from the athlete that you're going to hear, especially from someone leading the league in blocks and nearly 20 a game in limited time as a rookie. He's, like, very young. I love Joel Embiid. He's one of the very few players who, if you ask a question, will give you an honest answer. 
Up next, finally, if you know anything about me, you know that I will never, ever, ever pass up an opportunity to talk about James Johnson. Bloodsport. That's his nickname. He was voted unanimously as the toughest player in the NBA last year. He was signed the day after the Pacers got absolutely bullied by the Bucks in Game Ball Gate. Game Ball Gazi, as they call it. Uh, by the way, the two teams played for the first time since then on Monday night, and the Pacers won by nine. Coincidence that they took it to the Bucks with James Johnson on the roster? I do not think so. Anyway, Udonis Haslam dropped an anecdote this week about what James Johnson is like, how tough he is, how, we'll call it gritty he is, how he's not to be fucked with when he was with the Heat, and I needed to talk about it. Haslam, as you know, is considered one of the toughest guys in the league as well, somebody that you do not want to piss off. He recently said, if he ever runs into Kevin Garnett, it's ones on site. He says, I like Tatum, I like Brown, but them old motherfuckers, KG and Paul, I don't fuck with y'all. If I see y'all at the grocery store, it's on. I don't care what aisle. It can be a 7-Eleven around the cheese dip. All of it's getting flipped over. Woo! All of it's getting flipped over. The cheese dip, the, <laughs> the hot dogs. I don't give a fuck. Who cares? Slurpees? All of it. So, yeah, Haslam is about as hard as a coffin nail. Pause. And even Haslam's like, do not fuck with James Johnson. Udonis said this on Bam Adebayo's podcast, which I didn't even know that Bam Adebayo had a podcast. He said, I ain't going to say no names, but somebody on our team called James Johnson a bitch. And JJ said, hey, you got to see me after practice. And everybody was like, oh, shit. Oh, boy. Bam said that he tried to intervene to keep this unnamed player from getting his ass whooped. And James Johnson said, hey, why don't you mind your fucking business? So the fight happened, and... It went pretty much exactly like you thought it would. Bam Adebayo chimed in. He said, I watched that shit. The funniest part about it, dog, is JJ ended up balling. I'm talking about beating this man up. JJ got done, beating him senseless, and then said, you all right? You all right? And then walked out. This man is crying and sniveling. And James John's like, hey, you good? No, he's not good. You just beat the shit out of him. And then they ended up hugging it out later. That's what I want to do to some people sometimes. I just want to... Put my kid punching gloves on. That's just an inside joke. And get him in the face and be like, hey, are you good? I actually don't want to do that. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Bam also confirmed one of those urban legends about James Johnson when he watched Johnson dislodge a wedgie by kicking the ball out of the rim with a roundhouse kick and then landing on his feet. Bloodsport. The most interesting man in the NBA, let's get him a liquor. And the only player in the league I will never pass up an opportunity to talk about, even when the podcast is running long. That's all the time that we have for the episode of the Heat Check. Come back tomorrow for an all-new episode. No, come back Friday. And check out the feed for past episodes and mini-episodes, which will drop unexpectedly, like your new neighbors stopping by out of nowhere with cookies. Do not forget to follow the Heat Check as we go through this NBA season. That means download, subscribe. Please tell everyone, friends, enemies, neighbors, even that guy walking his dog every day at the same time who never acknowledges your existence, be like, hey, stop, stop sleeping on me. Trista has a podcast and it slaps. Follow us on social at This Heat Chicken on Trista Crick on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We'll see you next time.